Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you all here today, whether you're worshiping online with us or you're worshiping here on campus. It's so great to be here together. My name is Pastor Emily Hines, and I'm the Spiritual Formation, the Discipleship and First Impressions Pastor. And I'm excited to get to discuss and share with you about Daniel today. So let's pray as we, before we d dig into the word this morning. Lord God, we thank you so much for an opportunity to be here to not only worship through song and through sermon and through the word of God, but Lord, thank you for that opportunity to worship together as community. Whether we are separated by miles and connecting through digital means or we're, or we're connected through sitting next to someone in a pew. Lord, thank you so much that your spirit is with us, that we have this opportunity to worship together this morning. God, I pray for those who are suffering or sick or discouraged in some capacity this morning. God, would you be near and comfort them and bring them peace? Lord, as we dig into the book of Daniel today, God, I pray that you would illumine what you reveal to Daniel, what you reveal in the book of Daniel to all of us. God, would you speak to us this morning and um, encourage each of our hearts so that we can live out your faithfulness. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All fall, we've been tracking through the Old Testament as we've been going through a sermon series we're calling Remnant. Uh, they will be my people, and I will be their God. And today, um, we have an opportunity to dig into one of those stories. Most of the stories that we've heard this fall have been of people who, we meet them in the midst of their chaos. We meet them in the midst of them demonstrating some sort of shift in their life. Maybe it's from chaos into order, or desperation into hope, fear into faith. But the person we meet today, we meet after much of that chaos has already happened, and he's right now living out a life of faithful integrity. The person we meet today is Daniel, and when we meet him in the middle of chapter one of the book of Daniel, we can faithfully assume much of the chaos that has already happened in his life. Daniel began his life in Israel, probably close to or in the city of Jerusalem, the capital. Daniel lived in the late 6th century BC and definitely was alive in the year 586 BC. Because that's when we hear and we learn that that's the year that King Nebuchadnezzar finally took control of Jerusalem after a long siege. Based on the contextual and historical evidences, sieges are no high school prom. They're actually really terrible. They're very gruesome events, and there's stress on literally every aspect of life. Politically, economically, socially, mentally, physically, spiritually, literally everything. Perhaps we can relate to Daniel. A siege happened in war after a king and his army surrounded a city, cut off their resources, and waited. And sometimes sieges involved as many uh, psychological war tactics as they did physical war tactics. And often at the end of a siege, the city surrenders, the conquering king gets this new city, and there is, there's other things that happen after that. In the case of Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar won out against the Jewish people in 586 BC. He ransacked the cities, killed many people, destroys the temple, carries off goods from the temple and the city, and takes captives as prisoners of war. 
these captives become known as the exiles or the exiles from Judah. And Daniel is one of these exiles. These exiles were taken from Jerusalem and Judah to Babylon. And this is a journey that's well over 500 miles, very likely on foot. It's kind of like walking from here to Colorado Springs. This is a long way. Their purpose of being taken so far is to be put into use in the kingdom and in the city for the king's purposes. In Daniel 1, 3 through 4, we read that the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. This training involved special food, special drink, a time set apart just to train, and it was to last for three years. In many ways, you could think it was like a Babylonian prep school, and hopefully at the end of it, these men would be qualified to enter the king's service and serve King Nebuchadnezzar in the palace. Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we've come to know them, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, they are among the many young men that are chosen for this task. Now, if we were to lay out all the possibilities that could have happened to them, being picked to serve in the king's court and uh, to learn the literature and the language of the Babylonians actually seems like a pretty good option from all the things that could have happened to them. They could have been destroyed with the rest of the city of Jerusalem. They could have been destroyed with their communities and their families. And yet, instead, they're not only being trained and employed, they're also being fed and housed. In so many ways, God blessed them, God spared them, and they're lucky to be alive and have these opportunities before them. But Daniel and his friends are not quick to compromise in the midst of their exilic blessing. While the Bible does not specifically say exactly why or what was wrong with this scenario, there's major hints that this is religious compromise woven into this providential deal. Perhaps the food was sacrificed to idols, or it wasn't kosher, or it contained animal meat that was not on their list of food that they were allowed to eat as Jews. Perhaps the food had meat and dairy mixed together, and that was also against their dietary laws. Perhaps the four young men had taken some sort of vow, or specifically a Nazarite vow, and had further eating instructions that they were supposed to follow, too. Perhaps it was unclean or unsafe in some other way, and they were not supposed to partake. But regardless of the specifics, Daniel and his friends viewed their eating arrangements assigned from the king as compromise, and they were unwilling to bend to such defilement. So very respectfully, in protest, they request different circumstances. A vegan diet without the rich food from the king, just vegetables and water. And with favor and compassion from the Lord, Daniel's request is granted through a test and then through a permanent change to feed all of these young men the same diet, forgoing the king's rich food from his table. And this is but the first example of Daniel's and his friends 
integrity, and faithfulness. They were strict to be faithful to their lifestyle commitments and food laws as Jewish people, even in a foreign land where it would have been really easy to compromise. Instead, these four remained faithful to God, and God remained faithful to them and blessed them. It says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Here and elsewhere throughout the book, we read that Daniel in particular was blessed with knowledge and understanding. And it's also said that he had the spirit of the gods. But this isn't just some sort of blessing from the Babylonian gods. We know this is the Holy Spirit blessing him. In Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, we hear similar language spoken of the one upon whom the Holy Spirit has rested. And the kind of evidence of the Holy Spirit that we see in such a person, it says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Daniel's not randomly given favor and blessing. God's favor and God's Holy Spirit are resting upon him, and Daniel remains faithful his entire life. As Daniel's story progresses, throughout the book, we see multiple encounters where either he or his friends continue to demonstrate faithfulness and integrity. When King Nebuchadnezzar is tormented by a very startling dream and threatens to kill any one of his magicians, enchanters, and sorcerers, and astrologers, his, his wise men, um, he threatens to kill any one of them who can't interpret it. Daniel, instead, he's not afraid for his life. He offers instead to interpret this dream by the Lord's help. This is from Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men from Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the God of heaven forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things, and he knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. But Daniel doesn't just ask for help and then praise God in the solitude of his home. He credits the Lord with this miraculous help before the king, too. In response to the king's question of, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But... There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Daniel credits the Lord for knowing and revealing mysteries. Right here, in the middle of this amazing story, we encounter some theology. 
the theology of some of the attributes and characteristics of God, who God is and what God is like. We've already seen God be faithful to Daniel and his friends, but faithfulness is not just part of what God does. It's not just a task. Faithfulness is part of who God is. Faithfulness is part of God's character. God does not and cannot change. In theological terms, we call this immutability. God cannot change. He does not change. He cannot be changed. God is faithful. In similar fashion, here in the midst of this story of Daniel interpreting the king's dream, we find another aspect of God's character. God is omniscient, meaning all-knowing. Omni referring to all, and the shint referring to knowledge or wisdom and understanding. God is omniscient, all-knowing. God has all knowledge, even the mysteries. God has all knowledge. He knows, God knows, and sometimes God reveals like he did to Daniel for this dream. We're two chapters into the story of Daniel, and already we have two aspects of God's character, God's attributes. God is faithful, and God is omniscient, or all-knowing. And we're just getting started. This is fun. Daniel not only interprets this dream for the king, which was about the kingdoms to come after his own, Daniel's interpretation also foreshadows the coming of Christ. It says in Daniel 2.44, In the time of those kings, the kings after Nebuchadnezzar, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. King Nebuchadnezzar is so amazed at Daniel's interpretation that the king momentarily turns from his polytheism and he praises the Lord. He says, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. But the revealer of mysteries isn't finished yet either. And we learn, see once again, that King Nebuchadnezzar's pride easily becomes a pitfall. This time it's over, it's vanity over making everyone in the city worship a golden statue when a certain music plays at a certain time. This time the punishment for refusal to worship is to be thrown into a fiery furnace for certain death. Perhaps Daniel's off on the king's business because we don't see him as an actor in this scene, but his three friends are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is their famous story. In similar fashion to Daniel's lead, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship this golden statue. Their peers among the wise men start to take notice and rat them out to the king. They say, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, king, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. From Daniel 3.12. Now something I find kind of interesting here is that the religion of this man, they were Jews, the Jewish religion, hadn't been a big deal to King Nebuchadnezzar up until this point in time, until his religion and their religion come head to head. They had been leaders in the kingdom. He had set them as leaders over some of the provinces. They had leadership opportunities and responsibilities. But it's right here 
where it starts to be a problem, when they refuse to do something on the basis of religion. Daniel 3.13 says that Nebuchadnezzar is furious with rage, and he gives these men one more chance to worship the golden statue. Again, they refuse, but this time Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give us insight into another aspect or another attribute of God's character. They say in 3.16 to 18, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the, into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Did you catch it? God is able. Can you say that? God is able. Say it one more time. God is able. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed God was able to deliver them from certain death and trusted that God was still worthy of worship and the only one worthy of worship, even if he did not deliver them. God is able. This is a discussion on power. God is powerful. In theological terms, we talk about God being omnipotent. Omni, again, meaning all, and potent, referring to power. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed God was powerful enough to rescue them from fire. And a very hot fire at that. God is faithful. God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. But the story continues. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship the golden statue a second time, Nebuchadnezzar's fury builds, and Nebuchadnezzar decides to punish them severely. He orders a huge flaming furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual, it says in Daniel 3, 19. And he orders Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be thrown in. Now, the furnace is so hot that the guards that are throwing him, them in, they die immediately. But this is when a miracle happens. Not only are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego alive and unharmed in the fire, but there's also seen to be a fourth person walking around with them. And King Nebuchadnezzar describes this fourth person as a son of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar also credits this person, maybe he's an angel or something like that. And scholars have thought of this person as an angel or maybe it was Jesus before he was incarnate. We don't know. But regardless of who this is, this is someone sent from God to protect them and to rescue them. And not only are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego rescued, but their miraculous rescue points to another aspect of God's character and attributes. God is omnipresent. Omni, again, meaning all, and present meaning with us. Omnipresent. God is with us. God is present at all times and all places. Even something like a super hot blazing furnace is not something that can keep God away or keep God from doing miracles. Instead, God shows up in the midst of the fire. God shows up and rescues miraculously. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
live to tell of the faithfulness of God. Again, Nebuchadnezzar praises the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego, and he promotes them, which is kind of a cool tagline at the end of that too. God blesses their faithfulness and their belief and their worship, and he not only rescues them, but he gives them further authority too. God is faithful. God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. Later, when Nebuchadnezzar has another dream, he's much more quick to turn to Daniel for interpretation, remembering the Lord's faithfulness the last time to be the revealer of mysteries. Even when the dream's interpretation proves unfavorable for Nebuchadnezzar, he remembers the Lord. And the last words that we hear from Nebuchadnezzar at near the end of his reign are words of praise. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. From Daniel 4. While we don't hear much more from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel outlives a few kings, actually. And he continues in royal service. Daniel outlives Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son, as well as Darius and Cyrus. All throughout his life, Daniel remains faithful, a man of integrity. He remains faithful to his convictions, and God blesses him. He keeps his word, and God proves himself to be faithful, even in the midst of unfavorable circumstances. It's the pattern for Daniel's life. A few weeks ago, Pastor Dave preached on the book of Judges and highlighted the unfaithfulness and the patterns of unfaithfulness for the Hebrew people. And yet here, in contrast, we see one person, well, actually four people, but it's mostly about one person, who, despite their circumstances, they don't whine and complain, yet they remain constant to their convictions. Daniel, in particular, chooses to stay committed his entire life even when he's faced with things like blackmail and death threats and persecution and lying and so many other things. Daniel remains faithful. And God in his faithfulness blesses him with wisdom and insight, leadership and prophetic voice for the people around him. Daniel outlives kings. He remains in leadership in the court and faithfully lives his entire life dedicated to prayer. He never neglects his soul or his God or his convictions. Daniel has this unheard of courage to remain faithful that carries his entire life. He does not bemoan the fact that he was really unceremoniously ripped away from his community and his family. He doesn't wallow in pity and even though his country was completely decimated and destroyed and there were just a few left there in that city. Even though he's in exile, he's in a land with foreign gods and a foreign language, a foreign literature, foreign everything, he chooses to be faithful to his commitments as a Jewish man. He's not dissuaded by his circumstances at all. His circumstances don't change his convictions. He stays faithful. Yet Daniel and his friends aren't the only ones in this story who is faithful. God is faithful too. And in Daniel's story, we learn that God is more than faithful. He's also omniscient, omnipotent, and om omnipresent. But what about us, right? 
What can we glean from this story? What can we learn about Daniel's faithfulness? What can we learn from these attributes of God that are presented to us here? I think if all of us were really honest, we could say that if we were trying to sum up 2020 in a very short sentence, one, it would be difficult, and two, you might say, things change very quickly, right? Um, Things change very quickly. Um, I highly doubt any of us had any clue what this year would have turned out like when we were so excited for 2020 on New Year's Eve 2019, right? We had big hopes for this year. We had big dreams, and it turned out quite a bit differently than it did. But maybe if Daniel's story can teach us anything, it's this. Our external circumstances don't have to be consistent and calm for us to remain faithful to God or for God to remain faithful and immutable to us. God is faithful. It's part of his character. And we, as the people of God, can be faithful too. As we close today, we have this invitation to each of us into deeper faithfulness. And that might look differently for each one of us. Um, Perhaps it might be a deeper faithfulness to pray. Daniel was committed and consistent to pray three times a day, which is what got him thrown into the lion's den in chapter 6. He was committed to prayer every single day of his life. He prayed anyway. Perhaps you're, you're being invited into a deeper faithfulness to worship, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Despite the circumstances and the consequences, they were faithful to worship. Perhaps you're being invited into deeper faithfulness to lifestyle commitments like our four friends did at the beginning of this story, fresh out of exile. Perhaps it's something else. Each of us, however, we're invited into a renewed and deeper faithfulness. God is faithful. Daniel and his friends were faithful. And we as people of God can be faithful too. So we're going to pray to close. And I challenge you to ask God to show that to you. What is God calling you to in deeper faithfulness? We all have room to grow in this area. It's not just for people who are new Christians or older Christians. All of us can be called into deeper faithfulness. So as I pray, I challenge you to ask God to show that to you. God helped Daniel. He did. Daniel called out to God and God helped him. And he will help us too. God will help us too. So as we pray, have the courage to pray that and God will help you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We praise you for who you are. God, you are faithful You are omniscient, you are omnipotent, you are omnipresent, you are with us, you know the mysteries, you reveal things to us. God, you're faithful. Lord, we praise you for that faithfulness today. Uh, We've sung about it all morning, that you are faithful. All of our lives, you've been faithful. All of history, you've been faithful. God, we trust in you. We declare that, we say that as an act of faith and as an act of declaration. God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. What are the ways, what are the areas that we need to be more faithful, that we can grow in deeper faithfulness? Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to not only ask that question, but to do it. And then also, Lord, would you help us, empower us to live faithful lives? 
this Holy Spirit rested on Daniel and you, you gave him wisdom and understanding. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would rest on us, that you would give us wisdom and understanding, knowledge and fear of the Lord. Lord, would we delight in the fear of the Lord too. God, help us to be faithful people. Help us to be people who demonstrate your faithfulness to others. And Lord, as we go from this place, God, I pray that your faithfulness would be demonstrated again and again. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the word that we read in Daniel. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.